The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. I realized the other day that it's been nearly two months since I shared a homily that had a climbing story in it. So I figured you were, you were long overdue for the holiday season. So during, during this time frame, I had a really unique, unique experience years ago um, where a friend of mine, his name is Father Mike Rubling, and he's a priest for Baltimore, um, Baltimore, Maryland. And we were talking, and it's, it's amazing how seeds are planted sometimes. That's how great journeys are often um, gone on. It's that somebody plants a seed and then it germinates and then together you decide to go off. And we had talked about, I'd mentioned something about wanting to climb Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And so I mentioned that to him. And it was a funny thing, right? Because I had no idea he had ever thought about this in his mind himself. But then he said to me at that moment, he's like, you literally mentioned the only reason I wouldn't go home for Christmas to go see my family. This is, this is when we were in Rome studying. And so he said, once you're ordained a priest, it's the only time you're actually allowed to go back home. All those years of seminary, you have to stay there in the seminary. But once you're finally ordained a priest, I guess they're like, well, we can't keep you anymore. You're not just a seminary anymore, seminarian anymore. So he was going to go home and visit his family. But then I mentioned this crazy idea of climbing Kilimanjaro. And so, but believe it or not, you know, we did it. You know, like it was, um, it was a challenging prospect uh, travel wise and all that stuff but one of the amazing things that happened was that because he was a priest um, the most precious cargo that we had during that whole trip and the route that we did on the mountain was like eight days long so it was long you know it was, it was a long route and he had his mask kit 
and his vestments and everything like that. Not like full vestments, but he still had his alb, you know, this, this, this part that I'm wearing right here, and his stole and everything like that. And, you know, the chalice and the masket, and we needed a Magnificat that had all the readings and all that stuff like that. So we had to carry all of those things on us. But like I said, precious cargo. And I cannot tell you what an amazing experience it was to have mass on the mountain every day at every camp that we were on. But no more amazing than on Christmas Day. Oh gosh, Christmas Day and then the Christmas Eve Mass that we celebrated. There was something really unbelievable that happened on those days. So to climb Kilimanjaro, you have to have a guide group with you. You can't do it on your own. It's just, that's not how the government has it structured. So to go, you actually have to hire some sort of guide service and the porters that help you sort of up the mountain. And then one thing that happened that was amazing is as word got out amongst the camp that we were going to have a mass on Christmas Eve, not so much the clients, but all of the porters and the guides from all the other different services sort of started to like migrate towards our one part of the camp and that one spot as we set up just this simple table to celebrate mass. And we remember during this time that the first appearance or the first knowledge that the Lord is really born is given to the shepherds, right? To the simple folk who are guiding, you know, the sheep that night, that the angel Gabriel, that he, that he appears to them to announce the good news to them first. And it was amazing to me that all these different people, clients from all other countries and everyone who had come there to climb, very few of them joined us for Mass. But so many of the folks who were guiding us and shepherding us up on the mountain, they're the ones that gathered around to celebrate our Lord on Christmas. And I had a, a strong realization that day that for us, that was a vacation. And because my friend was a priest at the time, that we were able to have the Lord with us in a very unique and special way. But for all of those guides and porters, they were working. That was literally their work day. And then normally, they're just away from their family on Christmas Day, you know, shuttling clients up on this mountain. And I realized that it was their faith and their gathering around that did more for me that day than I think it did than, than us being able to offer Mass for them. But their faith, their faith was so evident. And it, and it reminds all of us of the humility that's really necessary in life. Um, sometimes we can put so many things ahead of us and think that so many other things are important that, that we're not humble enough to actually receive the gift of Jesus Christ. We remember all the different times where he brings children into his midst. And he reminds us that it's really a childlike disposition is the thing that you actually have to hold on into your life to be able to receive Christ. So there's something in the smallness, not in our, our accomplishments or, or, or anything else like that. And one of the other things that, of course, is a great realization on that particular day is one of the reasons I think I, I love mountains is because I felt like they're so, so similar to life. Oh, gosh, there's so many, like, ups and downs on the journey. The idea is amazing. Sounds so cool. 
this is going to be so much fun, you know, when you're sitting in your warm couch talking to your friends about the idea, right? Sounds super fun. And then all of a sudden, after days and days, like blisters, bad food, you know, like freezing temperatures and stuff like that, you're like, why did we think this was going to be fun? You know, and it's just like that sense of the journey, though. When you think of the Magi traveling all that way to actually see Jesus, what they were seeking was the truth. They really wanted to know truth in their life. And that's how many of you actually came to the faith in the first place. It's like, I want to know what's true in this life. And you start digging. You start digging, and eventually, you know, I think all those who really, really search hard enough for the truth, they find it's Jesus. That Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life. But often, just like those three magi on their journey, can you imagine the ups and the downs that would have been on their way all the way to Bethlehem to see Jesus? All the bouncing back and forth? I remember on Summit Day on Kilimanjaro, ah, it was so cold. (laughs) And you get up in just the middle of the night, you know, we got up at about like, I don't know, like 11 p.m. or something like that to start walking up the mountain. So, you know, pitch black, cold, windy, and you're kind of going your way and it's uncomfortable. And I remember we're just getting, you know, you stop to eat and it's just like you take whatever bar you have out there and it's like frozen. You're like, ah, it just gets worse. You know, that's what it feels like in moments. And that's what our spiritual life sometimes feels like at moments. You're like, Lord, I decided to follow you. I'm seeking you. I'm seeking your truth. It's just like, why is this so difficult? You know, and there's moments we have like that that are so hard. And I remember as we were nearing the summit, as we were nearing the summit, I don't mean this to be crude in any way, but this is reality, right? So we're nearing the summit and Father Michael happens to be walking in front of me often. And then, and then all of a sudden, I mean, he steps just out of the line of us walking up, and then he just goes, blah, <laughs> you know, and he throws up right there in the spot. And I was just shocked because like, I just wasn't expecting it, right? He steps right out of line, and I was just like, and then he gets right back in line, and I was like, man, if that's not life every once in a while, right? You know, can you imagine like the three magi? It's like, hey, Balthazar, you okay? you okay? He's like, I'll be fine. I think I just had some bad water. You know, it's like whatever it is, right? But that's what it's like sometimes. That, that's real life. And then what, what, what would you know? 30 minutes later, we stand on the summit. And after, you know, my friend Father Michael having to throw up three times, you know, he stands on the, stump, the summit in elation, in absolute joy and elation, like, we made it, you know. No feeling of, of, of feeling terrible at that moment. But that's what the spiritual life really feels like sometimes. You will feel a closeness of God, a consolation is what we often call it in the spiritual life, where he feels so very close to you. And it's like, oh my God, and you can't even describe it. You're like, how, I just feel you with me now, Lord. Maybe it's at Mass. Maybe it's during a time of prayer. Maybe you're just driving in your car. You feel this amazing closeness. And then other times, it's like, where are you, Lord? It's, it's sort of like the pukey times of our moment, right? We're like, where are you? And we remember there's so many great saints that went before us that experienced life 
that way, the ups and downs of our spiritual life. St. Mother Teresa, one of our great, great saints of the modern day, who had lots of spiritual consolation that led her to her great mission of Calcutta in India, but then much during her mission, it was extremely difficult, like being out in a desert and not being able to hear the Lord. But she kept forging ahead. I guess I was amazed at when Father Michael stepped right back into line and kept marching up that mountain. I was just like, yeah, that's exactly what we have to do, right? We have to keep going and forging ahead. I'm on a group text with some friends, a couple of which are here today at the church. And um, it's an amazing group of people because most of what we do is share our witness of how Christ has changed our life, how we came from difficult spots, everybody having like different wounds and traumas and difficulties, but also different joys and successes and amazing things in our life. And we often kind of share these kinds of things with one another. And, and one of them shared with us yesterday from uh, those of you who are watching The Chosen. This is actually just a little quote from there. There's a moment there where Matthew and uh, Mary Magdalene are talking to each other. And St. Matthew is really still having a tough time. You see him like witnessing these great acts of Jesus. And he's still just so dumbfounded. He's like, I just don't understand how he's doing this, right? As if he ever could but he's trying to figure it out. Like, why, how is he capable of these miracles? Why are, is everybody following him? But yet it's curiosity, just like all those porters and guides to come there to be at a mass on Christmas Eve. They come because there's some seed or kernel of faith within them, and they know who the truth really is. And there's this exchange, and Matthew says, I don't think he's waiting for us to be holy. I think he's here because we can't be holy without him. Wow. I'm going to say that one more time. I don't think he's waiting for us to be holy. I think he's here because we can't be holy without him. That's unbelievable. That's why the Magi are called wise men. Because they realize that this person come into the world, Jesus Christ, that the truth that they seek cannot be done without him. Even though they don't quite know who he is yet. But they're willing to go there and to seek him. And then it transforms their life. And I'm sure that all of you have heard this before. But it's one of my, you know, and one of the things that we know from, from the scripture, that we know from the gospel, is there are different senses of the scripture, right? There, there's the literal sense, like what the story is actually describing. And then what we call the allegorical sense, sometimes showing some of the prefigurements, the things that are fulfilled and things. That, so sometimes we'll speak from a very literal way. Sometimes we'll speak from a spiritual way, the deeper meanings that are there. And, and there's a couple other senses that we'll speak on sometimes. But one of the things that's so interesting about the very last words of this gospel is this section right here. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. Many spiritual writers have looked at that and saw that they departed another way to be not just a reference of them taking a different route to avoid 
Herod. But they departed changed men by another way. Remember, what we say, again, seekers of the truth that those wise men were. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when they have an encounter with him, then they leave by another way. The way that they leave is the way of Jesus Christ. They're completely changed at that point in their life. And that's truly what we're looking for in our life. We really are looking to be personally transformed by Jesus. One of the things I talked about as we were leading up during Advent into the Christmas season was that very thing, that God came to this world, that he came to be with us, not just the world, but with you as an individual, to actually be a part of your life personally, to change your individual life. Every single one of you, all of us in this church, are unique and unrepeatable, loved uniquely and created by God. And we need that reminder so very much in this world. You know, sometimes folks will walk through their life thinking that they were sort of a mistake. And that's one of the things that I mentioned when I talked about the story of It's a Wonderful Life over Christmas. That's exactly what happens with George Bailey, right? He starts to believe the lie that his life would have been some sort of a mistake. But then an angel from God, a messenger from God, comes to tell him otherwise. Your life is not a mistake. It is unique and unrepeatable. And your love by God, even in the joys, <laughs> the joys and the sorrows. But sadly, why? I don't know why. But some of us experience a lot more sorrow in our life than we experience joy. I wrestle with that every day as a priest because it's the thing that I speak to people most about. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not that often that you call them, hey, Father Peter, just check in, and I just wanted to tell you that I had an amazing day. That just doesn't happen that much, you know? It doesn't happen that much. Sometimes it does. Of course, I run into some of you at daily masses and stuff, and you share wonderful joys and things like that in your life. But often, we're trying to make sense of the suffering or the difficulty that we have in our life. But we always, always have to remember on this crazy journey that we have in these ups and downs, and as we heard in the second reading today, things are revealed to different peoples at different times in history by the way that God sees fit. We don't have control over that. But throughout our life, the thing that we need to be reminded of is that this is temporary. Our life on earth is often referred to in the liturgy and in many writings as a pilgrimage. That's exactly what the Magi were on. They were from one place on a journey to another holy place to, to, to grow deeper in their faith. And so we are on a pilgrimage, but our rightful place is with God in heaven in eternity. We don't even really know what that means. We only understand a tiny idea that there is an eternity and that we live in time and that God is outside of time. More than that, we can't even quite grasp what eternity means really means. 
but we know what a really long time feels like a lot of the times. And we're like, well, it's bigger than that, right? You know, so even in the little that we know is that we know that we are destined to be completely satisfied, completely fulfilled in our life. But that reality is a heavenly reality, not one that we can chase here on earth. If we know that, our life really does start to become transformed. Because the time that the difficulties come, we remind ourselves that it's temporary. The sufferings of this life are temporary. And none of them compare with the glory of God in heaven that, that we're all promised if we follow his way, just like those that are transformed and changed by him. So, you know, that's our true hope, is to leave this church and to go out by another way. There's something that um, our servers here know because they always pray with me before Mass. They know this, that all priests, when they make their, their offering for Mass, may pray in a slightly different way. But uh, I know Archbishop Sample, at the end of his prayer and his intention for Mass, he always asks for the, inten- the, the intercession of Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom. That's, that's who he always asks for the in- intercession for, for the wisdom of Our Lady at the end of those Masses. And these guys know, and others who have joined me in the sacristy, that I always ask for the intercession of Our Lady of Humility to be with me. Because I think that I need the constant reminder to be childlike, (laughs) that it's not about our accomplishments here in life. It's not about what we can do, what we're capable of, how smart we are, how good-looking we are, any of those things. It's that we are just simply beloved sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that gives us infinite dignity. Not any of our capabilities, but that tends to be the way that the world keeps score. But God does not count things like that. And so I remind myself often with this prayer, which is printed in microscopic print on the back of this card. Thank God my eyes are still good enough for this. So I know some of you are familiar with this, and so I just like to ask you to join me in praying the litany of humility. And so the first part, the first response to this prayer is, deliver me, Jesus. So for all those who would like to participate, oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. And then the response for this section is, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be esteemed more than I. 
Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son in our life and for transforming our hearts and our minds so that we can leave this church in a different way. Please be with us and make your abiding presence known to us in this life and allow us to never despair from the difficulties that we experience, but to set our minds on your heavenly kingdom where we'll reign with you forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all.